born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Look in the book of 1 John, 1 John and chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. You'll notice that there is a, a word used here that I want you to look at it in verse 21. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. After saying that we know we have eternal life and all that Christ has done for us and that he is, in verse 20, the one, this is the true God and eternal life. So when you get the true God, you get eternal life. And the life is in the Son. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So then he makes a statement in verse 21. Little children... He says, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idols. So um, just to kind of give you a, a rough idea of an idol, it could be anything you put between you and God. But in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it says, an image, form, or representation, usually of a man or an animal, consecrated as an object of worship, anything on which we set our affections. In other words, we're leaving God out of it, and we do that. Another one is idolatry. Says the worship of idols, images, or anything made by hand, or which is not God. Excessive attachment or veneration for anything or that which borders on adoration. So we could have a lot of a lot of idols, couldn't we? Boy, just about anything could be an idol. We can worship anything. And there's people that uh, I was told that there's the the Hindus. They worship uh, maybe a million of them. They got all kinds of gods. And I know a joke about a Hindu, but I'm not going to tell it right now. I want to, but I'm not. I've got control. Well, I'll go ahead. No, I don't. <laughs> but I uh, read this little article by Pastor Butch Paw, and he made this statement in his definition of what is means to have an idol. To put your trust or confidence on or in any man or man-made object to keep you safe, protect your life, your property, or your rights, excluding God. See, I believe that we can have all these things, and we want security, and we want peace, and all these things, and we trust that God can work through people. But our trust should still be in God, even though God may use mankind, and we may use a policeman to help protect us and all that. But even though they're the image that we want God to use them to keep us safe and to protect us. But you take God out of it and you might find yourself worshiping the wrong thing and adoring that which uh, you're not supposed to. I know it's easy for a man not to worship his wife. 
or she thinks he better. But you are, are supposed to love your wife, but not at the exclusion of God. Thank the Lord for your wife. And I think it's okay that you can love your wife. And as they want to hear, with all your heart. Now, if I love my wife with all my heart, how much do I have left to give to God? But we understand that. I want you to take your Bible, look at Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah in chapter 17. Now, we know that's the chapter that tells us about the condition of our old sinful heart and uh, what God says about it. But there's something else in this uh, portion of Scripture that's good to remember. In Jeremiah chapter 17, look there in verse 5. In verse 5. Because we are living in a, a wicked day, a wicked society. And every once in a while, I like to kind of bring in a little bit tidbits of what's going on in the world and kind of make it mesh with what the Word of God says and see what's going on. And see, if does God's Word give us any guidance? But here in verse 5, he says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. See, the last part is some of the biggest part of the problem. When you forsake God and put your total confidence and trust in man. We do trust God to work through man. The woman does trust her husband when he says, I will do this and this and this and this and this and all those things. And you believe him. So you are believing to a certain extent that uh, they're going to keep their word. Uh, when the church hired me, they have a, a little bit of trust in I'm going to keep my word. But then they also have a clause. If I don't, boom. And so there's to be a trust that we have in God as he works through people. But remember, people are fallible. They make mistakes. They do things wrong. All of us in this room cannot be totally trusted 100% to always do the right thing. Think the right thing. Wouldn't it be great if we could? But God's word tells us how we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to do. But look in verse 6. For he shall be like the health in the desert, the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Now today we know that we're supposed to put our trust in the Democratic Party. Or maybe we're supposed to put our trust in the Republican Party. Or maybe the Tea Party. Uh, do y'all ever get any emails from different groups trying to tell you that we got to have more money to keep up with, with this group? And, and uh, they always want money. And they don't let it set. I mean, they hit you every day, sometimes four or five times. I mean, they feel my thing full of all that stuff. And so I go, delete, 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 delete. Because my trust is not in the, the world, but I know that we still have a responsibility. I want you to take your Bible and look in Jose. Jose. No, while we're right here, I, I want to show you another verse. Uh, look in the book of um, Psalms 118. 118th Psalm. 118th Psalm. 118th Psalm. And look at verse 8. There's two verses I want you to look at here. Verse 8 and verse 9. In verse 8 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. 
Verse 9, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Or I could say rulers. Or I could say Congress. I could say the White House. I could say the Supreme Court. It's better to put your trust, your confidence in the Lord. Because people fail. They don't all hold your values. They don't all believe the way you and I believe. And so it's it's good to know what you believe, but to realize that our trust is to be in the Lord. I, I want you to take this, look, look there in Psalms 2, the second Psalm. And there's a, a verse that's used here, but it's also used over there in the book of Acts, explaining what this verse is actually referring to. You see, the Bible makes this statement that if the princes of this world knew, if they, if they only knew, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So they don't see everything. They don't understand everything. And they make a lot of bad decisions. They did in Christ's day. And there's a possibility they could make bad decisions in our day. And you know, there are a lot of people that just, well, whatever is the will of the people. Okay, this is how I'm going to vote. What the people want. And so there's people who run for office to do the will of the people. I just want, just do the will of God. Forget the will of the people. Just do the will of God. Find people that have character and will do right, and you don't have to worry about what issue comes up. He's going to come down on the right side. But today they run on a certain platform, and then by the time they get in the office, that's not the issue. It's something else. Now you don't know where they're going to stand on this, or this, or this, or this, and you have an unknown quantity. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where they're going to go. And that insecurity is what breeds the unrest that we have among God's people in America. And everybody, really. Because nobody knows what to do. They don't know what to expect. Wouldn't it be neat if everything was rock solid? And you knew, well, we are governed by law. And not by the whims of the people. To move and change and all that. Sifting sand. That's where it is. But notice what he says here in verse 1. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. Now, even in Christ's day, when this actually took place, they imagined vain things, things that wasn't true. See, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. And he says he was truth. Well, they didn't believe that. So when you don't believe the truth, you believe a lie. And if you believe a lie, that's in vain. You're not going to come out on the right side. You're not going to make the right decisions. And they crucified the Lord of glory. And so when you read that in the book of Acts, it kind of explains just a little bit more. But it says here in verse 2, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. God saw what they were doing. God wrote about it a thousand years in advance. So did the Lord God know what they were going to do concerning his son when his son came? He already knew. Knew everything. And he says, um, he laughed at him. God wasn't worried. God didn't panic. God didn't fall apart. How could they do this to my son? No, no, no. He already knew. And if you look at the next verse, look in verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall what? 
Now, when we look at the things of the world and we see the chaos in the world, I don't know if it's a time to mourn, to hold our head and woe is unto me or just laugh. Have you ever had things happen in your life that was so bad? If you didn't laugh, you'd cry. And some things just are funny. I was telling the college kids the other day about when I was 17 years old and I hitchhiked across the United States and I was sitting out there somewhere in Arkansas. In the middle of the night, it's raining on me. I'm freezing. It's, it's cold. I'm wet to the bone. And I'm standing out there in the middle of nowhere and I'm laughing. You nut. You could be at home in a nice warm bed. And look at you. You are so dumb. You're an idiot. And that hit me, and it was so funny that I laughed. Because if I hadn't laughed, I'd have cried. (laughs) And sometimes you don't know whether to laugh or cry at something. But there's a God in heaven that sees all the wickedness of man, regardless of how bad he does things. God is not out of control. God laughs at the stupidity of man. I told somebody the other day a quote that I got from John Wayne. Now, if you know if you get it from John Wayne, it's got to be good. And what did John Wayne say? John Wayne says, life is hard. But if you're stupid, it's harder. <laughs> life is hard. But if you're stupid, it's harder. So do you want to make it harder on yourself? Then be stupid. But if you don't want to be stupid, you're going to have to be smarter. And if you want to be smarter, then you're going to have to agree with God. Because that's the only way you win. And you can't, and I can't, be conformed to this world. If we were not to be conformed to the world, do you think we're not supposed to be conformed to the world's fears, anxieties, terrors? You name all the things that happens to the person who doesn't know the Lord, doesn't walk with the Lord. Should we be like them or different from them? Maybe somewhere along the line, we're supposed to um, manifest a peace that the world can't give and can't take away, a joy that the world doesn't understand. And so we don't get down and discouraged like the world does, or do we? But anyway, let me read this to you. I want you to go to Hosea chapter 4, first of all, the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. It's a verse you've heard many times. It's on page 923 in an old Schofield reference Bible. But Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. My people are destroyed for the lack of the United States Constitution. For the lack of the Bill of Rights. Because they don't have the Second Amendment. Now, those articles that we have, those, you know, pieces of paper that men have wrote on and guaranteed certain things are wonderful for our country. But a people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. As we look at things today and you hear there's a a groundswell, we need to get back to the Constitution, back to the Bill of Rights, back well, I would agree we need to restore those things. But the problem is, what kind of a philosophy in America caused us to leave it? If you don't know what caused the people to leave such wonderful documents, 
Why go back? And how do you know when you're back? Because, you see, those documents were designed for people of the Christian faith that wants to do right. And do we want our freedom so we can do wrong, or do we want our freedom so that we can do right? Or do you believe that God's people need to get things right between them and God? And if we did that, we would vote for the right people, and yes, then we can get back. But right now, people don't have a clue what back is. They don't even know what the Constitution says or the Bill of Rights. So they don't know where they come from because it's not taught in the schools anymore. So they don't know what the other... Most people believe that your rights are whatever the government says they are. Anything wrong with that? Your rights are what God says they are. So today we have people who want to fight for their rights. No, fight for your responsibilities. What are your responsibility between you and God? Then you know what your rights are. Uh, my rights is so that I can fulfill my God-given responsibilities. If I don't have any responsibilities, I don't need any rights. So that's why you have people today that are fighting for their rights, but they don't want any responsibility. True. They want, but they don't want responsibility. So if I know the Lord and love the Lord, then I know God tells me how I'm supposed to live. So I want laws in the land that gives me and sets a an environment for a good way of living. I, I want laws that protects that. And when it comes to my wife or my children, I want the freedom to fulfill my God-given responsibilities. And if I have that and fulfill that, well, the nation will be blessed. But see, today we don't have people who want to get right with the Lord. They don't want to do right by their wives or their husbands or their children. So therefore, what do you need freedom for? And so the longer we live, we want and need more laws to be passed to make people do for me because I refuse to do it for myself. So then the tendency is to vote for the person who promises to do the most for you. True? Yeah. But anyway, Thomas Jefferson, you ever heard of him? So who is that? This is what he said. If a nation expects to be ignorant and free, it is a state of civilization. In a state of civilization, it expects that which never was and never will be. You cannot be ignorant and free. This is why there's a dumbing down in America. This is why they're not teaching children how to read, write, relate, record, and research, all of that. They're not teaching that. They're just teaching socialism. What your rights are. Getting along with everybody. No responsibility, no consequences for disobedience. And it destroys America. But he also says here, that the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. But when the people are too ignorant to recognize a tyrant, there is no hope. I think we're there. When the people in America cannot recognize a tyrant, 
a person who usurps the authority of his office and seeks to destroy the very foundation of this country. And the people don't seem to understand or realize it. So it says in Proverbs 28, too, look at Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs. Right after the book of Palms. Proverbs chapter 28. Look at this one verse, verse 26, where he says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Uh, that's similar to the one that you find over there in the book of uh, Jeremiah that says, It is not within man that walketh to direct his steps. But what I wanted you to see is verse 2. Look in verse 2 of uh, Proverbs chapter 28. Verse 2 says, For the transgression of a land... Many are the princes thereof. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. You see, good people in place of leadership can preserve and prolong a nation. Wicked people, wicked laws require many people to enforce the laws. So the more rebellious people are, the more they have to do, and having more people make them obey. Because you see, it's either imposed discipline or self-discipline. When you teach people how to have self-discipline, you don't have to impose it. But when you don't have self-discipline, you can't control yourself and do right on your own, then somebody has to make you do it. And then whatever is right is what the majority say is right. So everybody loses their freedom. Just a matter of time. But I love that verse. The state shall be prolonged. See, we all know that everything we have down here is just temporary. Our lives are temporary, but we can prolong our lives by doing right. Our marriages may not last forever, but we can prolong by doing right. And a church can come and go. And it's not forever down here. But it can be prolonged if we do what's right. Otherwise, God may have to turn out our lights. But when it comes to the nation, it can be prolonged. A lot of great nations only lasted about how long? A couple hundred years? So, we have been blessed because I guess maybe we have a few more good people. It's almost like living in Sodom and Gomorrah, but God not destroying it yet because there's at least ten righteous people here. We don't have many. But I do believe that God's judgment is upon this nation. And we're seeing the consequences of bad decisions. So here is another statement by a John Adams. John Adams says, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That's awesome. And Ben Franklin says, They that can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserves neither liberty nor safety. Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need 
of masters. That's what Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 2 is talking about. When there's great transgression, then you've got to have to have more laws made and more people in government. So government grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And that's where we are. George Washington, you may not have heard of him, but he was uh, instrumental in the founding of this nation. He was our first president, by the way. You know, a lot of these things, they don't even teach it in school anymore. I don't know how I know. I didn't finish myself. But you know, by the time I got to the 10th grade, I was taught all this stuff. I was taught a lot of stuff. And we every day would stand up and we would do the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Anybody remember that? Anybody in here ever do that? Yeah, a lot of people used to do that. Today, no, you can't do that anymore. You can't do this. And under God, I just want to slap somebody's jaws. George Washington says, to the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. Don't let anyone be called a patriot who removes religion from politics. They said, we don't want religion in politics. Well, I want true Christianity in politics because how are you going to know what's right and wrong? It's the Lord that teaches us truth. And then we are to apply it in society. But I don't believe the church should run the state. And I don't believe the state should run the church. Patrick Henry says, I regret that I've only got one wife to send to the country. Okay, maybe he didn't say it like that. It cannot be emphasized too often or too strongly that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Patrick Henry. These are our founding fathers, you know. Well, people today say, well, you know, that's unconstitutional. That's unconstitutional. Well, wait a minute. The one who started this country didn't say it was unconstitutional. They wrote the Constitution and said this. So you ought to find out what was the intent of our founding fathers, not what you wish that they had meant. And they said, well, it's a living document. It changes. It is not a living document. It's not changeable. It's in concrete until it's voted on correctly to be changed. And that has not been done. You say, well, people have destroyed the Constitution. No, they haven't. It still stands as people won't go buy it. Just like the Bible. Have the people destroyed the Bible? No, just because you don't read it and don't study and don't go buy it. It still says the same thing. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is still in the Bible. Even though people may not have known it and never heard it before. John 3, 16, it still was there. Did it still mean what it said, though? Was it still powerful, though? Was it still true, though? Yes, this hasn't been changed. That hasn't been changed. It's that we gave it up. We surrendered because we don't do what we're supposed to do. But anyway, let me read this little statement to you. Surely by now there, reader will see the points of this article. The flag, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and all of Humpty Dumpty's men cannot make us whole again unless we as individuals want to do right. Because if you want to do wrong, then you don't need that. Just do wrong. That's why people who don't want the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and to preserve our nation, that's why they change the laws as much as they can so they can have more freedom to do more sin. Isn't abortion a sin? Having a baby out of wedlock, it's not wise. 
it would still be sin, but I'm glad that God forgives. I'm glad that, you know, God forgives us on all our sins. That's what we're supposed to teach. Go into all the world and teach the forgiveness of sins, that people can be forgiven. But it still doesn't justify sin. Otherwise, if you could justify the sin, sin doesn't need to be forgiven. But evidently, you can't justify sin because sin is wrong. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.